start going live. Perfect. Um, so if you're ready, I'm ready. Uh, good. I'm ready. Good. And what's up, everybody? We are live. And this is the, I think this is the first time my guitar is making an appearance, but particularly because it is a Fender Stratocaster. Shadow. And today's speaker also uses a Fender Stratocaster, from what I understand. <laughs> well, so if you, yeah. well I, if you have your guitar on hand, Gabriele, you're more than welcome to bring it up. Uh, no, not today. That's okay. It's all good. We're chatting about uh, ACDC. It looks like they might be going back on tour um, next year. And, you know, you really got to get these tour dates in because you don't know how many more tour dates there will be. Um, but speaking of live performances, we, Gabriela, will also be in, in Detroit on October 24th for DOK Day. If you haven't registered already, why not? Super easy. It's 100% free. You've already got your uh, KubeCon registration. If you'd like to register in person, more details in that link there. We will be there rocking out. And um, yeah, so that being said, our speaker today for our 152nd live stream um, in just over two years is Gabriele Bartolini. You have an interesting job title. You have to explain about that. You also no. lived in Australia for some time. We have to talk about that too. You've got a really cool t-shirt on. Monash University, if you haven't heard of it, is one of Australia's leading universities or is the leading university in Australia. Probably. Oh, I, yeah, I, I really like that, that university. So yeah. That's cool. That's cool. But for the people who don't know you, Gabriele, can you tell us about your job title? Because it's an interesting one. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm vice president uh, at EDB about the cloud native uh, area. Okay, so yeah. cloud native is about yeah running um, applications in in um, in uh, containers using Kubernetes, but it's also about a DevOps culture. Okay, so that I I emphasize on the word uh, on the word culture because that that's I think what then leads to uh, using Kubernetes and all these technologies without the right culture. Uh, I think that everything uh, is bound to fail. Okay, so we need to understand why we're going in Kubernetes, why, you know, applications, uh, you know, benefit from being in that environment with virtual infrastructures. And so, yeah, so it's a multi-year kind of uh, endeavor that, you know, I've, I've, pleasantly started you know and I'm, I'm really excited you know very good and you're doing so, a great job it's not every day uh, we have a vice president with us that's exciting <laughs> I'm a fan. but more important i, I don't well, care that, about time nah, 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 i know you know you're a cool guy um you are an ambassador though of the city of prato in italy and i would like to know something really quickly though like what's a typical thing to eat in prato what's your what's your uh, we actually i mean there's so many nice things you know really lucky to be here but one thing that uh is world world famous from Prato, but nobody uh, maybe is aware of that are the uh, cantuccini cantuccini are biscotti uh from from Prato, that they almond biscuits and they actually come from from this city okay. so yeah let me okay but Okay, but, but in Prato, if you say, I want a biscotti, they're, they're yeah. not going to... They're, they're, they're called biscotti di Prato. Okay, biscotti di Prato. But if you want to yeah. be cool and more local, you say cantucci. Cantuccini, yes. Cantuccini, because okay, so it's cantucci. smaller, diminutive. Yeah. Oh, that's good, that's yeah. good, that's good. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, well, anyway, we need to do a... Uh, we are doing DOK in-person meetups, by the way. We have one on October 13th in London. And I hope yes. I can organize one in yeah. Tuscany, you know? Yes! Yeah. Give me an excuse to go to Tuscany and I will be there. Um, 
So no, we definitely got to get that spun up. And and also other things going on in Italy, uh, Gabriele and I were talking about this. If you're uh, in near Milan in mid-November, I think it's November 17th, November 17th, 18th, there'll be KCD Italy, Kubernetes Community Days. And we're hoping that um, Gabriele is able to give a talk. Gabriele, you're also giving a talk in KubeCon, correct? Yep. Yeah, I, I have a slide up of that. And, okay, okay, so no spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. But yeah. about that a bit. That's I'm good. very excited, yeah. With yeah. Uh, Chris Milstead from Ondat. Yep, shout so out we'll to talk about Postgres. Good. Um, that being said, so like I said, I'll drop the link here for folks that might be in London, take a look. If you're, you know, part of the DOK community and you'd like to do an in-person meetup, wherever you are in the world, let us know. We like to get that spun up. Anyway, Gabriele, that being said, take it away, folks. If you've got questions, feel free to leave them here in the chat on YouTube. If not, always happy to continue the conversation on Slack. Gabriele is one of our best community members. If you want to know how to be a cool person, the DOK, talk to him. Anyway, take it away, man. Go for it. Thanks. Thanks, Bart. So yep. let me share the screen. Okay. Thank you. And... Oh, this is oh, Freddie yeah. uh, King, my favorite. All right. If, if you want, folks, you can also write your favorite blues guitarist in the, yeah. in the chat. We can do that as well. I'll put mine. Freddie King, very good player. Interesting way they play with the strap, not over his neck. But just exactly. It was a cool touch. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it was huge. That's why. Anyway, I... Unfortunately, I was never able to see him live because he passed away before I was born. But yeah. anyway. The legend lives on. Yeah. Okay. So I'll start as usual with a question. So when planning for our virtual uh, infrastructure that is based on Kubernetes, do we actually uh, take into consideration the needs of a database system like, like Postgres? So while you can certainly deploy Postgres databases in an existing Kubernetes cluster, sometimes you might be constrained by the decisions that were made earlier. So this is especially true for on-premise deployments. And the success of uh, our database story in, in Kubernetes starts from day zero and goes through uh, day two operations. So uh, welcome everyone to DOK webinar uh, 152, and my name is uh, uh, Gabriele Bartolini, as uh, Bart already mentioned, and today I'll be talking about running Postgres databases in Kubernetes with the cloud-native PG open source operator from day zero operations onwards. So we already talked about, about the, you know, my title, but I work for EDB, uh, which is the major contributor to the PostgreSQL open source project. And my purpose is to enhance the Postgres uh, experience in the Kubernetes space. And uh, before I was part of Second Quadrant, which was uh, uh, acquired in 2020 by EDB. And I was there since the start in 2008. And I covered several roles, including head of global support. I've been using Postgres for over two decades. Uh, that means that I'm getting old. And I've been a member of the community for more than 15 years. I'm also one of the happy founders and proud founders of uh, Postgres Europe, which is an, an NG, um, nonprofit organization that aims to promote Postgres around Europe. There's actually uh, the major PostgreSQL event in Europe 
next month, but unfortunately it's the same week of KubeCon. So I'll be in Detroit and I can't be in Berlin with all my Postgres friends. And I say hi to all my Postgres friends that I'll miss. Um, have a great Postgres uh, conf in Berlin. Anyway, I'm an early adopter of DevOps, um, big fan of lean, agile methodologies, which by the way, I, I, I was exposed to when I was happy, I was uh, lucky enough to work in Australia at the early, in the early 2000s with one of the most innovative enterprises <clears throat> um, in, in the IT sector called Hitwise. And even though I worked there briefly, that really enlightened me with all these agile methodologies. And uh, that was a life changer for me. So yeah, uh, I'm, a, I'm also a big fan of continuous learning. And uh, I'm also continuously studying uh, leadership uh, disciplines applied to software development, development teams. And uh, finally, I'm an open source contributor. I owe everything I know uh, to open source. So that happens with Linux, uh, with Postgres. And I was uh, uh, lucky enough to contribute to the open source uh, world with Barman, uh, which is a backup and recovery tool for Postgres, and uh, Cloud Native PG, which is the topic of this uh, presentation. So if you want, there are uh, some videos of past DOK webinars and, and talks, uh, also some talks from DOK uh, days uh, during KubeCon. So scan that QR code and you'll be redirected to the playlist uh, from the Cloud Native PG YouTube account. So um, today, after a quick intro, I'll guide you through uh, the operations to run a Postgres database in Kubernetes from the actual planning, which is called day zero, uh, through to day two, uh, which is running the database in production. So let's start. Uh, so, but before we do that, I'd like to point to uh, this blog article that I wrote uh, for the last European edition of KubeCon in, Valen in Valencia. And that goes through uh, the reasons why I believe running Postgres inside Kubernetes is an accelerator for uh, uh, your business. I always say inside because I want, I believe that because of the DevOps uh, principles and values I was mentioning before, I believe that uh, Postgres should run uh, inside the same Kubernetes where applications uh, run. So if you don't know about Postgres, uh, that's okay. Well, that's not okay, but that's okay. Yeah, but despite being there uh, for a few decades, it does not stop uh, its steady growth uh, in terms of popularity and adoption among large enterprises and developers. So recently it was voted uh, the most loved database by developers on Stack Overflow. So, it's undoubtedly an amazing technology. And uh, if you're new to IT, so if there's you know, new people listening to this webinar, uh, you, know, you often hear that SQL is not cool. I actually think that SQL is very cool and can um, help you a lot during your day-to-day -day operations. So I strongly recommend that you take some time uh, 
to, to uh, study. And also Postgres offers so many features. And uh, um, I think that it's, it's a very uh, solid uh, technology uh, on top of which together with Linux and, and um, Kubernetes and Git could really um, yes, improve the, the performance and the productivity in your daily job and also uh, uh, guarantee uh, you a, a, a very good professional growth in, in your job. So a Postgres database is a complex stateful application. Uh, and it becomes even more complex when distributed uh, across nodes to achieve better results in terms of business continuity, for example. So although you can run Postgres as a simple container, I strongly advise against it. So, and if you want to know more, there's an FAQ section in the Cloud Native PG documentation that explains that. Um, anyway, this is where the Kubernetes operator pattern uh, comes into play and, and helps us you know, managing these complex uh, applications. So uh, about Cloud Native PG, uh, to be honest, there are a couple of popular operators for Postgres, but in this presentation, of, of obviously, I will talk about the one um, I contribute to, which is Cloud Native PG. Cloud Native PG is a Kubernetes operator that not only helps us deploy Postgres in day one operations, but also orchestrates the full production lifecycle from day two onwards. So this is why in, I think three years ago, yeah, three years ago in 2019, while I was still at second quadrant with my team, we began writing um, an operator called Cloud Native Postgres. Then after we were acquired by uh, EDB, uh, EDB increased the investments in, in the operator. And it's been uh, used in production for uh, yeah, over a year and a half now by several EDB customers and also by EDB uh, as the data layer of um, our database as a service offering, which is called uh, Big Animal. Uh, in April uh, 2022, uh, EDB released the operator, the Cloud Native Postgres operator under the name Cloud Native PG as an open source project distributed under the Apache license uh, uh, 2.0. And then uh, EDB donated the IP to a vendor neutral and openly governed community to be built around Cloud Native PG. EDB also requested that uh, uh, the project would apply for the CMCF uh, sandbox uh, process. Um, so we've done so, and we are now undergoing the, uh, the review uh, process. So hopefully at KubeCon, I'll be able to uh, talk more closely with the, with the community. Uh, the latest minor release is uh, 117 and 118 is on the way. It will be released the week of KubeCon, the week before or that, that same week. So uh, this is the homepage of Cloud Native PG. From there, you can find the link to the documentation, the blog, uh, the Slack channel. Uh, so please join our Slack channel um, to uh, get help and get ideas and suggest, for example, new features. 
there's Twitter, the YouTube channel that contains the developer meeting uh, recordings, and most importantly, uh, the GitHub uh, repository. Um, we, got, we got a question. Okay. Can I run PG auto failover for Postgres, which is running in Kubernetes? We, we implement also automatic failover in the operator itself. Got it. Okay, so we, we have built that logic uh, inside the operator. So we use our, for example, I was one of the initial developers of Rep Manager, uh, which was a popular replication manager uh, and failover software. So we pretty much brought that experience inside the operator. So we directly work with the, with the operator itself. But I've got a slide. Um, in a moment. Okay, perfect. Okay, thanks. Thank you very much, good. So the operator is entirely written in Go. Uh, we use QBuilder and uh, I think we've got more than yeah, 1700 uh, commits. So if you have a GitHub account, please make sure uh, you leave a star. Uh, I think this morning I checked, we were about to reach 500 stars. I think we were about 490 something. So, uh, you know. It would be cool to reach 500 during this uh, webinar. So we follow semantic versioning. So there's major, major is uh, um, mapped to the API version. So right now uh, we're still in the one, version one of the API. Then we've got the minor, which is the second number and usual, you know, the usual patch release. On our, uh, in our documentation, we explain uh, the support policy from, from the community. So basically we support the latest to minor releases. Um, this is something that we have introduced uh, recently. And uh, these are the currently supported uh, uh, versions of, of Cloud Native PG. So for more details, I put the link uh, as QR code. So, uh, let's start from day zero. Okay, day zero is about what happens before um, running things in production. Okay, so we need when we need to plan for things that will go in production one day. So in this section, I go through some of the basic concepts that involve some important architectural and infrastructural decisions for a database. So one common issue that uh, so far we've found also because I mean, Kubernetes in this new, so we are also learning uh, while we go. So when an organization plans for Kubernetes, infrastructural decisions are taken without considering stateful workloads. But if you want to run a Postgres uh, uh, cluster on it, you, sh you need to come to a compromise, especially in, in, uh, in, in terms of performance if decisions are taken beforehand. But I think that this is not a surprise for us, especially people in the DOK community, because that's the goal of this community is to uh, shout out that, that uh, and shout loud that uh, Kubernetes, uh, stateful workloads can run in Kubernetes. But first impressions last, and the common opinion is, I mean, predominantly that stateful workloads and databases should not run in Kubernetes. So no wonder why in many architectures for Kubernetes, the database is often seen 
as an external component run as a service uh, by a third party. So although database as a service is a valid option in some organizational contexts, for example, you don't have DBAs, uh, it must be seen um, um, as a valid choice. But as I explained in the article that I mentioned before, keeping the database inside Kubernetes has a lot of advantages um, for uh, an organization that is, that is ready to go through the DevOps journey, okay? So database people love uh, shared nothing architectures, and it is important uh, to understand that with Kubernetes, you can cover the whole gamut of use cases from the shared architecture to the other extreme, which is dedicated bare metal nodes with directly attached local storage, running a single Postgres instance in a cluster that is managed with Kubernetes, okay? So this is possible. That's actually, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that um, we did when we started this project three years ago. Uh, in March, 2019, uh, that's, that's when local persistent volumes were introduced in, in uh, Kubernetes. And since then, the storage sector has sensibly grown in, in Kubernetes. And in my opinion, that was one of the main reasons um, why database workloads have started to appear more uh, um, predominantly in, in the Kubernetes space. But in this presentation, there's so much to talk, so I won't cover the storage uh, topic, uh, but it's important to know that it's your uh, choice ultimately. You know, the Cloud Native PG supports dynamic provisioning of storage, so as long as you've got uh, you know, uh, CSI driver and the storage class that supports that, we're fine, okay? Um, so if you can try and get local storage, dedicated storage for larger databases, but if not network storage, and if that's the only available option, that's fine, okay? Uh, one important topic is that storage behaves in Kubernetes based on my experience, okay? the same way it does in VMs and bare metal scenarios, okay? The same concepts apply, nothing different. So when you run databases in, in Kubernetes, you need to apply the same um, um, principles that were valid in VMs and bare metal. And if you choose sh uh, shared storage uh, over the network, uh, you must be prepared for more variability in, in performance. But as I said, in many cases, that's okay because the advantages are others, you know, when you run things in, in Kubernetes. But on this topic, as I was uh, saying at the start, uh, I'm, I'm very happy, you know, to say that I'll be covering some of these aspects um, um, in a talk uh, at KubeCon uh, uh, next month with Chris Newstead from Ondet. So if you're there, please make sure. Uh, you attend and you come and say and say hi to us. Um, beyond storage, you know, there are also other topics that I won't cover today, but I think uh, they are very important. And again, I will cover some of these at KubeCon, for example, single versus multiple uh, regions. So cross-cluster, uh, cross-Kubernetes cluster uh, deployments, availability zones, dedicated nodes versus uh, shared nodes, connection pooling, applications and databases where to have them run, you know, to, to have them run, run 
microservice or monolith databases. Okay. These are all interesting topics. If you are, if you have questions, I'm more than happy to talk uh, through them uh, um, later or in the in the in the chat. Okay, but for now we concentrate on a on a single Kubernetes cluster that is spanning over three availability zones, uh, typically data centers or buildings in the same region. For the sake of simplicity in this presentation, I'll only consider one Kubernetes worker uh, node in each availability zone, each dedicated uh, to uh, uh, run a single instance of Postgres. Obviously, there, be, there will be more nodes in which to run applications, but they're not relevant you know, uh, for the scope of today's presentation. Yes, Bart? Yep, you got another question. So how does Postgres work on Knative service and on Lambda function like serverless EMVI? I think uh, there's actually a, a project from some Postgres uh, developers. Uh, I don't remember the name, but it's a serverless Postgres. But I think it works fine. I mean, you put, you put Knative on top and you, have, you can write your own um, the functions that use uh, the Postgres database. So I think it's, uh, I, I see these uh, as a backend of, of uh, Knative. I don't know if that, that helps. If it doesn't, um, we, can, we can get another follow-up question on that, but for now, that yeah. should be good. Thank you. No worries, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll come up with the name of that, uh, of that project. Okay. Yeah, it's by, I think, Heike Linan Kagas uh, is one of the developers of Postgres that, that, that is in that project. Anyway, so as far as um, storage is concerned, I was saying that we'll consider local persistent uh, volumes dedicated to each node and simulate uh, shared nothing architectures. So, um, Please keep in mind that uh, the proposed uh, shared nothing architecture and the shared architecture, um, um, you know, they are valid options, they are opposites, and you can have, you know, infinite almost shades that you can pick between one end and the other. And you can do that even on a case by case scenario. For example, one database can be on shared nothing architecture another one in a shared architecture with shared storage, for example. Also, you can decide to host uh, multiple workloads, even um, uh, heterogeneous ones on the same node. Okay, so for example, applications and databases, it's really up to you. What amazes me is that uh, with Kubernetes, all of these is declarative. You know, it comes out of the box, uh, it's got all the resources that enables us enable us to schedule our workloads wherever we want using, for example, topology key, node selector, affinity, anti-affinity rules, as well as stains and, and, and tolerations. So by doing so, we can easily distribute database workloads uh, across different nodes and availability zones. You can also specify how many resources like CPU and memory you dedicate to a given workload and so on. So finally, we assume that uh, in every cluster we have installed uh, the Cloud Native PG operator. 
And how do you do that? I mean, it's very easy. We have YAML manifest. You just run kube uh, CTL apply, which is the Kubernetes way of installing resources in a declarative way in accordance with the infrastructure as code uh, paradigm. There's also more that we can do uh, during day zero, which have an impact in day two. Okay, remember that most of the decisions we made now will, will have a very important effect in day one and day two. I'm talking about platforms for monitoring, logging, um, and certificates. Cloud Native PG is designed to natively integrate uh, with Prometheus. Uh, um, we have native exporters for both the operator and each Postgres instance, and uh, they can be customized. There's a slide uh, later in the presentation. Logs are directly uh, exported to standard output and immediately available in JSON format. And that includes also audit logs. And although Cloud Native PG is agnostic uh, to the log management solution, it's important to make your infrastructure team aware of this capability. So a common setup we've seen uh, so far is to use, for example, QND uh, downstream as a broker to then consume logs and pass them to other, other log management solutions. Um, finally, Cloud Native PG has a very powerful uh, system for managing uh, certificates. By default, um, it creates all of them out of the box, but additionally, you can add your own custom certificates uh, through secrets. So for this reason, it's pretty straightforward to integrate set manager for a fully automated and, and centralized um, system for certificates. So day one operations are those that lead to the deployment uh, of the solution in production. So primarily installation, setup, and configuration of a Postgres cluster. So our goal is to uh, create for day one, a three node uh, Postgres cluster with a primary and two standby servers. Okay, so let's suppose this is our goal. So traditionally what a DBA would normally do here in, in, in tandem with the, with the system administrator is to set up three Linux uh, virtual machines, install the operating system and the latest minor version of Postgres 14 in each of them. Then initialize the first instance, configure Postgres, uh, configure stream replication, uh, and enable uh, the two hot standby uh, servers. Uh, hot standby is the, is the feature, is the name of the feature in Postgres that enables uh, read, um, uh, read operations on, on the replicas. Okay. So for security, we also want to make sure that mutual uh, TLS is configured and that replicas are authenticated using TLS certificates. So we don't use any password. And further uh, requirements are that uh, each Postgres instance should have four gigabytes of RAM. Uh, one, of, uh, one of these four gigabytes should be dedicated to, uh, to shared buffers, um, eight virtual cores, 50 gigabytes of reserved uh, space uh, for PG data using uh, the default um, storage class. We also need to make sure that the primary is always accessible via the network uh, to the applications. And finally, create a user and a database for the main application that will reside in the Postgres cluster. 
Obviously, there's more uh, to think uh, uh, you know, about here. For example, backup configuration, high availability, uh, um, monitoring, logging, connection pooling, and so on. However, you know, for now, let's concentrate on, on these. Um, what, because I've done these in the past, you know, I, I, I can uh, assure you that I'm a bit skeptic, skeptical that uh, these operations could get done in a single day um, uh, using VMs. Okay, unless of with, course, with, with the right with the right kind of coffee, you can do anything. Yeah, I know, but and be, and Cantuccini, you know the Yeah, I, that, I, was, exactly, I didn't want to destroy the pronunciation, but I, I figure that's an important combo. We do have a question though from yeah. Martin, who is a Frank Zappa fan. Big shout out to Frank Zappa. If you have never yeah. listened to him, you need to put some Frank Zappa in your life, no matter how old you are, what kind of music. Origin. Big fan. But Martin's question is the following. On-prem, most people say only have two data centers or availability zones. How would that work? Seamlessly. You can distribute them in two instead of, you can even run it in one availability zone, okay? It's all, I mean, business continuity is, uh, can be done, you know, in multiple stages. It's all a matter of cost, you know, in this case, you know, uh, for cost reasons, uh, you decide to have only two, two availability zones. But in my experience, that could be enough. So the good thing about Kubernetes is that you can uh, um, spread the Kubernetes cluster across these two uh, data centers. And uh, with just uh, the, you know, setting a topology key to availability zone, the operator will, uh, you know, uh, automatically try to uh, uh, install Postgres on nodes into different availability zones. So but it, it's transparent for, for us. So it's all managed by Kubernetes. If you have you know, a Kubernetes cluster that is spread across these two availability zones, which I, that's what I do, you know, because that's what Kubernetes does. So the frontier, the next frontier is about multi-region, so cross Kubernetes clusters, okay? And that we've got, uh, you know, uh, some good stories there, but you know, that's another topic. And that's what I, I'll cover also at KubeCon. So I hope that that answers. I do anyway. too. And if nothing else, it gave us a chance to talk about Frank Zappa. So that's always good. Yeah, good. That's good. So the good thing, you know, and that that's that's the most important one is that this is how this translates in, in Cloud Native PG. So, you know, everything we said here can be mapped in a in configuration with this. So um, basically, uh, the operator uh, defines a, a resource called a cluster. Uh, with version one of the API. And uh, uh, we have adopted convention over configuration. That's what allows us to have minimal uh, configuration uh, uh, in, the, in the manifest. And uh, um, we, so we make some opinion, opinionated decisions, but we leave you the ability to change uh, all of them to override all the settings. So there's an API reference in the docs uh, for this purpose. And uh, 
uh, with this manifest, basically, we intend to define the desired state of our PostGIS cluster. So as you can see, this is pretty straightforward. I want a PostGIS cluster called MyAppDB with three instances, each with four gigabytes of RAM and eight cores, as well as 50 gigabytes of disk and uh, one gigabyte of database cache. That's the shared buffers. So we save this file and call it myappdb.yaml and we apply it with kubectl apply dash app. That's all okay. So what happens uh, under the hood is that uh, thanks to the operator, uh, basically we have a desired state uh, for the cluster to have three instances, but that doesn't match the current state of the cluster, which is zero instances. So this triggers a reconciliation loop that um, reacts uh, with the goal to make the current state uh, match the desired one. So this is, in my opinion, the good, the amazing value of Kubernetes. So Cloud Native PG initializes uh, the first PVC and uh, it runs InnyDB, which is the, the application that initializes the primary. Then there could be a second PVC dedicated to write ahead logs uh, or wall files, but you know for now we keep it out. So when the PVC is ready, Cloud Native PG uh, starts the pod, and when Postgres is up, it makes sure that the Kubernetes service that identifies the read and write access called uh, myapp-db-w points to the primary instance. So it's worth noting that by default, the operator issues a standalone, uh, standalone certification authority for each cluster and issues self-signed uh, TLS certificates for uh, mutual TLS communications. So then, as I said before, we support the being your own certificates um, uh, thing. So you can also integrate that with uh, set manager. Then uh, using uh, PG-based backup, um, uh, it, it integrates, uh, it creates the second uh, standby, uh, you know, in a similar way. And then uh, it's, it does so with the second standby too. Okay. So there's obviously more happening uh, under the hood. So Clonary PG automatically creates a service that points to the read replicas and one to any Postgres instance. It also creates um, and interacts with several resources, including secrets, config maps, roles, role bindings, service accounts, and so on. As already mentioned uh, previously, we follow the convention of a configuration paradigm. And uh, you can also place write ahead logs in a separate volume. And finally, you can import existing databases even outside uh, Kubernetes. So the same uh, procedure can be used to perform offline uh, upgrades uh, and uh, moving, for example, from Postgres 10, uh, which will be soon end of life soon to Postgres 15, which will be out uh, in 10 days. Okay. So you can also change the configuration of Postgres. Uh, you know, I will not go into uh, much detail uh, here, but yeah that you can change all the, most of the Postgres configuration parameters, also the host base authentication. Um, and uh, uh, 
Planar FPG supports changes of configuration. So if we reload the, the instances, if necessary, we restart and that's done in a rolling update uh, fashion. And we're also able to automatically manage um, the update of standby sensitive parameters. So if you know Postgres, you understand that this is a very uh, cool uh, feature and a difficult one to implement. But if you want to know more uh, about uh, importing databases, this is an article I recently wrote and that shows how to import a database from RDS 10 into uh, a Postgres 14 database that is managed by Cloud Native PG inside Kubernetes. So move from the cloud inside from a DBAS uh, in the cloud to a self-managed database in Kubernetes. And this is how we enable uh, you know, a new volume dedicated to walls. This is very important for uh, um, performance and also for uh, stability. Anyway, day one has finished and we have successfully deployed our Postgres cluster in our production Kubernetes cluster in, in just a few minutes, just using declarative configuration and the same way we did in testing and development. Okay, this is very important. As a result, our Postgres cluster can become part of our infrastructure as code uh, story. So now that the database is in production, day two begins. And this is where traditional, traditionally Postgres DBAs, database administrators bring their contribution uh, on a daily basis. So these operations include backup configuration, backup uh, retention, backup security, recovery operations, minor updates, cluster monitoring, log management, and so on. Database monitoring, alerts, you know. But they also include the most traded operation of all, which is failover, either manual or automated. So in both cases, you have to configure the surrounding applications and components that access uh, the database. Uh, for example, DNS routing, poolers, and so on. This is what happened, you know, in a traditional environment like a VM or 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 per message. So <clears throat> already, I think I imagine that you already appreciate uh, the value that Kubernetes uh, with uh, the cloud native PG operator brings uh, to um, day one operations. Um, but honestly, I think that if you are using, for example, Ansible or uh, configuration, other configuration management tools, you can achieve the same goal. So I think for day one, you know, you could argue that the value of Kubernetes um, is really there, okay? But in my opinion, it's in day two operations where you appreciate the whole value that Cloud Native PG brings um, into um, your fully open source stack made of Kubernetes, Postgres, uh, in your infrastructure. So uh, I think it's Patrick McFadden that calls these uh, virtual data centers. I think I, I really liked, you know, when, when he mentioned that word. And I think uh, moving from virtual VMs to virtual data centers, and I think that's what Kubernetes, you know, really does well. 
So I think we've got this opportunity. Anyway, um, the, simulator, the operator simulates uh, the work of a human DBA, uh, especially the, those aspects that are close to the, closer to the infrastructure. Um, so what we've done with Cloud APG is to transform our long time experience with uh, running Postgres in production into code by extending the Kubernetes API server, as well as the controller to reconcile the current status of um, a Kubernetes cluster into the desired one for uh, the Postgres part. So in my opinion, the fundamental difference between Kubernetes and traditional Postgres environments is that the Kubernetes API server in this case is the single source of truth and the authority for the entire infrastructure. It controls all the resources inside the Kubernetes cluster as well as uh, their interface uh, outside. And this obviously includes Postgres um, and the applications that rely on it and uh, uh, the applications that Postgres relies on uh, for monitoring, for example. So these explain also why, uh, for example, we don't use Patroni for failover management, nor a pooler at the front of uh, the database to direct traffic to the primary, because we just rely on Kubernetes resources uh, such as services. Okay. So um, we uh, support, um, so we, we built on top of, uh, immutable uh, application containers, okay? So this means that the only way to upgrade an application container is to replace that container with an updated version of the image. We cannot perform YAM update or uh, APT update, okay? As a result, a minor update of a Postgres version means that the container image of Postgres uh, 14.3, for example, is replaced with 14.4 uh, without touching the persistent volume. Uh, the same thing uh, might happen in case of new container images that include vulnerability fixes at the OS and OS libraries level. So Cloudnetic PG handled this kind of uh, operation similar to uh, the deployments in Kubernetes. Um, we do it in a rolling up upgrade fashion. So we first replace one by one all the replicas and then the primary. And we've got two options to restart the primary or to switch over to a promoted uh, and updated replica. Such an operation can be fully automated, uh, which is the default or manual. And uh, this is all configurable. So you can decide which one uh, fits you best. Rolling updates are also triggered, uh, as I mentioned before, when we change uh, the Postgres configuration uh, that we that might require a restart. That's, that doesn't happen for all options. Then for backup and recovery, we used our 10 plus year experience with Barman uh, in designing uh, this capability. So we currently support continuous physical backup on object stores with uh, S3, Azure, or Google Cloud compatible pro uh, protocol, uh, both in public and private cloud. The object store where a cloud native PG cluster pushes uh, the backup data is called uh, a backup object store. And we support time-based retention policies. So for example, you can specify 30 days um, 
And recovery is a way to bootstrap a, a new cluster uh, by restoring uh, either fully or up to a point in time, starting from an existing object store, which is now called recovery uh, object store in contraposition uh, to backup object store. Although it is entirely, entirely transparent uh, for the end user, we rely on Barman Cloud for both uh, backup and recovery. So thanks a lot to our uh, Barman Cloud friends and developers. Uh, CloudNative PG also allows you to configure uh, quorum-based synchronous streaming uh, replication. Uh, we do this with two options. Um, this is also very important because it reduces uh, the risk uh, of data loss. And this is all pretty much transparent. So I won't go into details, but I leave the slides uh, here. So when it comes to observability, you can clearly see uh, how CloudNative PG has been designed to be part of the CloudNative ecosystem. And we provide support uh, for Prometheus, which is the standard de facto in this environment. The operator uh, provides built-in metrics for itself, as well as for each Postgres instance. And uh, it also provides a way uh, to customize which metrics to export for every Postgres instance using declarative configuration um, in the form of config maps or secrets. The good thing is that you can write your own uh, metrics in SQL using a syntax that is compatible with the PostgreSQL Prometheus exporter. Um, Queries are transactionally uh, atomic, read-only, and executed under the PG monitor role, which is very safe from a security standpoint. All these metrics will be automatically pulled by the Prometheus uh, install installation in your Kubernetes cluster. Um, there's also these two important uh, extensions that we support. Um, so this is what happens uh, under the hood uh, when the Postgres primary has, has a problem and the readiness uh, probe starts to fail. Kubernetes immediately uh, detects that and asks CloudNative PG for help. Um, that's, uh, the operator decides which one is the new primary. And uh, the instance manager for the selected uh, new primary uh, detects the change and promotes itself. So when uh, the instance is ready to accept the uh, right connections, CloudNative PG updates the read-write uh, service to point to the new primary. In case the former primary comes back, uh, the, the instance manager detects that, uh, that it's not a primary anymore, uh, preventing the case of, of split brain at the source. Uh, it invokes internally PG Rewind to realign the former primary and restarts it as a standby. So once the pod is ready, uh, as you can see, the Kubernetes service is uh, aligned. And here is the last part of you know, today's presentation. I've got you know, some final remarks. So uh, the, this is a quick peek uh, in the future of, of CloudNative PG. So we recently uh, launched 117. So we've got, we try to keep a cadence of uh, a release every two months, but we will be anticipating this because of KubeCon. 
Uh, so in version 118, we will introduce support for Kubernetes 125. Uh, we'll also uh, be officially supporting Postgres 15, uh, which will be out, uh, as I said, in the next 10 days. Uh, the good thing is that we our end-to-end test suite uh, run entirely on Postgres 15 by default. You have to know that we run end-to-end tests for all the supported uh, Kubernetes uh, distributions, uh, times, uh, all the supported PostgreSQL versions. So this is uh, like 15, at least 15 combinations. Okay. We are introducing uh, uh, cluster managed replication slots uh, for a high availability. Replication slots are a, a, a technique introduced in Postgres, I think, 9.4 to um, um, enable standbys to communicate um, uh, with the primary uh, and to for the primary to retain the wall files that are needed by the by the standbys, so that if they for example, are temporarily down, they can reconnect and resync because, because the wall files have been kept uh, by, the, by the primary. So we have implemented a very nice feature that supports failovers also. Uh, so if there's a failover, we, we are able to uh, keep the status of replication slots uh, on the new primary as well. We will also introduce cluster hibernation and uh, after that, we'll be working on declarative roles, declarative databases, and declarative uh, table spaces. So as you can imagine, if you're a DBA, your, your, uh, your role will change, okay? We'll need to be reshaped. Oh, okay. sorry, sir, we, we do have a couple of questions. Okay, yep. From Tom Crane, can the operator be used to install Postgres extensions such as PostGIS and TimescaleDB? Yeah, okay. I'll, uh, I recently wrote an article. Uh, when do you not write articles? You're writing all, <laughs> you're very busy. <laughs> uh, it show, if you type PostGIS uh, um, uh, Kubernetes, I think yeah. you, 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 show, you can see. I got it oh, five days ago. You, yeah, exactly. You're, you're, and, you're like the Stephen King of Postgres. <laughs> <laughs> so. And uh, it can be done in a declarative way. Time scale, I'd like to uh, add that, but it's very simple, okay? Uh, uh, you can look what we've done with PostGIS. Uh, our approach is that because we are based on immutable containers, all you have to do is add a layer to the base image. So use, for example, our container as a base image and add um, time scale. Uh, the time scale extension to that, okay? So you can do that. Uh, look for custom images in, uh, in the documentation. And uh, yeah, so I'm thinking of writing, you know, something about these uh, in the future. We're also thinking about adding some documentation okay. about that. But yeah, you cannot add extensions after, because as I said before, it's immutable. Uh, it breaks immutability, okay? If you want to change, also this is for security. Our containers uh, do not run as root and uh, we, we prevent uh, um, the content of, of the image to be changed at runtime. 
So you cannot change the binaries while the container is running. Okay. So this is a security uh, measure. But yeah, it's possible. You can add all the extensions you want. Okay. okay. And one other question is, what technology do you recommend for the on-prem object store that this uses? Uh, I, I mean, I can say that, for example, uh, we did our test with Minayo, but I think we are pretty much agnostic to that, you know, so I'm now, you know, working with the on that uh, guys, you know, to, to also that there will be our KubeCon talk. So I'm really open to explore, you know, storage opportunities, but for us, it's okay. And also I think that Kubernetes is adding it a standard way to standard interface to object stores, if I remember correctly, in the next versions. Got it. So, okay. Cool. Perfect. So yeah, basically, I think you know, as, as a DBA, we we need to change. Okay, Kubernetes forces us to change. That that's what happened with me. Uh, and you know, change always brings uh, resistance. Okay, so especially if, if it's imposed, okay. But in this case, I think every DBA has the opportunity to anticipate this change. Uh, we are required to unlearn a bit what we know. That's the uh, difficult aspect, but I think it's a, it's a very rewarding and, and um, interesting you know, trajectory that we can uh, run, especially for portfolio in our professional growth um, a journey, okay? So I think that uh, understanding first how Kubernetes works is fundamental. So uh, first we need to study Kubernetes and once uh, we, we grasp that, it will be much easier, okay? But there are jobs that will be taken away by the operator and by the automation and self-feeling procedures. And the DBA, I think, can uh, focus more on the uh, aspects that are closer to the, to the developer and to the monitoring. For example, monitor uh, the state of a database if uh, indexes are needed. So more on the modeling side and the you know, logic aspects of the database. And then in the future, I think with table spaces, which at the moment we don't support with multiple um, volumes i think uh, that could be very very interesting in terms of you know large databases with partitioning and so on so finally you know you can more than welcome to join our project uh, this is but even though the, the you know the project was um, created okay and sponsored by edb initially please look at our contributing uh, .md file uh, the license. This is, I mean, our goal is to truly create a um, vendor neutral and openly governed community. So please participate to the developer meetings. As I said, there are the videos, you can watch them. And uh, the feedback we receive from new users is that they're all um, excited about this project because it, it it's entirely based you know on the kubernetes system so we don't use a tool like for example as i said with all respect for patroni you know it's a great tool but patroni works also outside kubernetes uh, 
the operator extends the Kubernetes controller, as I said before, it's written entirely in Go, and we have put all the failover logic inside there. For example, we've got a, a contribution that um, you know, um, a user needed to delay the failover, because at the moment, if there's a failure, we immediately issue the failover. Uh, they requested uh, to delay this operation, and there's a pull request for that. So from an external uh, user. So we're really happy about that. So as I said, it was sponsored uh, by EDB, so I'm really thankful for that. But we're also looking forward to um, uh, enhancing the PostgreSQL experience and the full open source stack, okay? Um, as I said, this is the, the real benefit is that you have a full, fully open source virtual data center with applications and databases that we say reside in the same, the same place. So thank you. And yeah, uh, further questions, please follow us on Twitter, uh, underscore gbarsolini underscore and cloudnary pg. And that's the URL of the, of the project in GitHub. Perfect. As usual, amazing. And just to repeat what Gabriela was talking about, they're very serious about this being 100% open. And from all the folks that are involved in this project, whether it's Leonardo or also uh, Jonathan, anyway, super cool people that are also in our Slack that you can get in touch with. Some of the younger folks in our community actually created a challenge around Cloud Native PG and, and really enjoyed all the learnings that they extracted from it. So anyway, great folks uh, to meet from many different countries and get cool recipes for different kinds of food, great recommendations, different kinds of music, but seriously, it's it's 100% um, really in line with being uh, vendor neutral. So definitely check out the different things that Gabriela mentioned. We'll also be sharing the slides. Speaking of slides, can I get you to stop sharing your screen real quick? Of course. Awesome. Last but not least, folks, very important link to drop here, apart from all the documentation, some very serious documentation that I will need Gabriele's feedback on. It's a recipe for cantuccini. Um, and we, we need to find out if it's, if it's a good one or not. I'm sure the best ones are not written in English and are written in Italian, but I shared it with my mom and she's excited to make it. I'm going to be in California um, before uh, KubeCon. So I will see, she's a really good cook, but we'll, I'll have to try it. Maybe I can, try, this can be the challenge. I can try to make some and bring it to Detroit. And then you can let me know whether or not we passed the test or give us some feedback on it. And, uh, and in addition, I'm very curious to be with Italian people to try Detroit style pizza because people from Detroit <laughs> are really proud of it. Probably has nothing to do with pizza from Italy, but it'll be interesting to try regardless. As usual though, um, before we finish up, just wanna share what our amazing artist Anka was drawing in the background. We have a lot of cool stuff here, an artistic depiction of all the stuff that Gabriele was covering in his live stream. Very complete, all right, we gotta see. As usual, yeah. Yeah, no, but, but I mean, there was a, it was a very, touched on a lot of different things in the talk, shared some great resources as well too, so plenty of stuff to follow up on. But I, I really like this that, you know, showing folks that this can be done, that you know the organizations are doing it and the necessary steps. Like you said, there's gotta be a cultural element to it. There's gotta be an understanding inside an organization about how these things are going to work and that there will be resistance to change and that's okay, that's part of the process. So it's not, nothing personal. Um, great questions from the audience. And if you've got anything else, of course, you can always continue the conversation with us on Slack. 
Gabriele, I will certainly talk to you before going to Detroit. Yeah. Um, but also very okay, much look forward to seeing you and also checking out your talk that you'll be doing um, with OnDeck. So I'll be good.